1: Uh, to Clubhouse um, and he's got a new book out he's got an amazing story and we're going to cut it up but uh, I just want to thank everybody for being here today if you would do me a favor um, if you would go down and hit the plus sign invite your friends and family and anybody in I promise you you're not going to want to miss this segment Um, you know Burton is a fantastic human being um, that has a lot to share and I know there's going to be some lives changed today with hearing his story so Burton you literally got on clubhouse yesterday I'm gonna help you unmic and Mike and and teach you the ropes here what what's your initial impression brother what what's your initial impression of, of clubhouse
2: so I've been hearing about clubhouse quite a bit and not saying that I'm one that's reluctant to change but you know to me I was like ah it's just another social media platform but after getting on you know it was it was two days ago and I've jumped into a couple of rooms and and listened and I think it's something that I really probably should have done sooner, but I'm glad to be here and I really appreciate you guys allowing me to, you know, allow me to use your platform to uh, you know, speak a few things on my mind.
1: Awesome, Burton. Yeah, man. Um, Burton is a Apex uh brother of mine and he's just a wonderful wonderful human being and uh very genuine guy and uh we we're, we're going to have a little bit of fun today cuz I don't know too many male models. I mean, people, a person that's been on covers of, of novels and magazines and, you know, uh, what's it like to be a model? Is, is it ever, you ever, you know, made fun of for being a model? What, what's it like to be a male model on the front of novels and et cetera? Can we talk about that just for a minute?
2: Yeah, for sure. So that's something that kind of came a little later in my life. So I've always been in sales, real estate marketing, but, um, you know, really it was, I think it was in two thousand, two thousand nine, ten. 2009, 10, I was making good money. I was selling real estate, but I always lacked the confidence. And I think that's, you know, due to, you know, some childhood things. And I was always battling confidence and it never mattered how much money I made. I still was lacking confidence. And I think it was more just, I really don't think I hit puberty until I was 25, right? I was just kind of a late bloomer and um, I hired a trainer and a dietitian to really just, look good, feel good. That's one of those things that I always talk about. So I got a trainer and I wanted to make sure I was eating the right foods and, and really just going after it. Well, let's just, you know, my whole philosophy is, you know, I just jump right in. Let's see what I can do. And after a few months, we were really on to something. And, um, the competence came, they were like, Hey, you know, jumping into this bodybuilding show. And I'm like, I don't, I mean, that's not really me, but you know, why not? Well, that why not ended up me uh, winning Mr. Ohio title in 2010. And then again, really only being nine months into training, and then I took one full year to train and, and really just go after it. And I ended up turning uh, into an IFBB Pro, which is like men's physique. So think like um, think like men's health magazine cover, not like those you know huge steroided bodybuilders, but more just the really healthy aesthetic fitness. And um, I ended up winning nationals and turning pro. And then from there, like I said, I was still active in real estate and consulting. But this whole other offshoot, you know, took off with the modeling. And next thing I you know, I'm on h- covers of hundreds and hundreds of romance novels. So I'm kind of like the modern-day Fabio without the long hair, right? And then um, that turned into, you know, the fitness stuff and the swimwear shoots and traveling the world. I go to book signings. COVID was a little different last year, so a little less travel. But literally, I've, I've been able to travel the world and see places I never thought I'd be all because I was lacking confidence and I took the initiative to, you know, consult a trainer and a dietitian and really go at things the right way. So the confidence came, but then lo and behold, another stream of income at, you know, another, you know, stream of income ended up coming through with it too. So, um, I think my friends kind of, they jab me want to say they make fun of me, but it is kind of funny. You know, someone's like, Hey, I Googled you and you're on cover of these books and we laugh and, but all in all, it's just, It's just another tool in my toolbox that I utilize, and um, it keeps me very structured, and there is a freedom with the discipline that comes along with it. So I would say I am a model. It's not necessarily who I am. It's what I do. So that's the best way I can uh, answer that question, Scott.
1: So, so Burton, so I'm sure some people would sit and say, you know, if someone is is attractive, like my wife's very attractive, right? And some people kind of connotate that with maybe that person lacks – business sense or, and you know, sometimes it, they even could see someone as beautiful on the outside that they, it may be, they, they lack intelligence. I don't know. Is there, has your entrepreneur journey? Has someone took you for granted or maybe, um, dismissed your business and an entrepreneur um, route because you're quote unquote a model? Is that, does that ever happened to you that people made us made assumptions about you? I'm just curious.
2: Not necessarily to my face. I think what I get quite a bit is people do judge a book by its cover, and, and we're all guilty of it. And, and and I will say, you know, typically you can get a pretty good idea of a book from a book cover. You know, like, let's be honest on that, too. um I think people, they do, they prejudge. You know, a couple of my business partners we laugh about. I've got a, you know, you, you know who they are, you know, Jeff Ducharme and, and and Tony Kasai. We've got a tech company together and a couple other investment funds that we do and both of those guys were like we looked at you and we hated you we wanted to hate you you know like and uh but when i started talking to them they're like wow like i really you know i really made a misjudgment on that now we're doing life together and we're doing deals and changing lives so i think it's a weapon i think that people may be early to dismiss me but then when i start speaking they're like wow and i and I believe, you know, maybe a lot of people think that maybe I had a silver spoon, you know, handed to me because we're all given gifts in life. It's just whether you utilize them or not. I think the genetics, the way it lined up, maybe I'm, you know, have better genetics in certain areas than others. I don't know, but we're all given gifts. And for me, you know, there was never a silver spoon. I think I'm, I think a lot of people probably pass judgment, like, oh, this guy's had an easy route, but just to give you kind of a, you know, a quick overview. When I was, I grew up in a single-wide trailer in in central Ohio. My mom has literally been married 11 times. My parents were divorced before I was even born. I've lost a brother in a drug deal gone wrong. He was murdered. I had another brother that committed suicide. And then, I mean, I remember our utilities being turned off and my parents being like, hey, you know, we're going to build a fort in the front room, you know, to like, to make it a game. You know, I mean, I, I didn't know anything different. I didn't even really understand, like, rich, poor. I just knew that that life... It just wasn't for me. That's not what I wanted, right? I, I, I wanted different. But, you know, when I was younger, I was always thinking big, and I was always – I mean, I remember one day I cut up my newspaper – uh, my motocross magazines. I cut them up, and I made them coll- like a collage, and I glued them on construction paper. And I literally made these things, and my, there wasn't a lot of supervision. And I remember going out into the neighborhood and literally knocking on people's doors trying to sell <laughs> – these motocross magazine collages. And it seems silly, but I was literally five years old. I remember it was like right, right when I started kindergarten. And that was really my first product that I brought to the marketplace. And to be honest, I didn't sell any of the collages, but I made a few dollars just because people love the entrepreneurial spirit. And I was always thinking different. I was always thinking big. I was always making my bed. I was always I just I wanted better. I just didn't know what it was. It just never felt right. And I think once I start speaking on these things and I can relate. You know, a lot of the people that probably thought I was, would be egocentric or or you know, you know, whatever. Anything that people would prejudge me on based off of looks, I think once I start speaking and I really start speaking about how I live my life and my approach, people are pleasantly surprised to and, and even admit that hey man, we might have misjudged, we might have made a, a wrong call on you in the beginning.
1: Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Your your mom was married eleven times. You had a brother. That was killed in a drug deal. Another brother that overdosed. Is that right? And you're from uh, a, yes. uh, yeah. yeah, you're you're from a, a trailer park in Ohio, man. Yes, knowing you know, like I know you now, that is an amazing, amazing thing that you over overcame. How, how did you, how did you do that? How did you start there? And I see, you know, a, a, a guy that's in very good shape. That drives nice cars, that's involved in multiple businesses, that everybody that mentions your name smiles and they just have such great things to say about you. I haven't found one person to say anything negative about you at all. They say you're a man of your word, you know, what you say is what you do, that you know, that I that I need to get more in proximity to you, and that's why I invited you here today. You know, how did you end up from there to where you are today? What 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 happened?
2: You know, it, that, that's a that's a really loaded question, but um, I'm going to do my best to answer that. Like I said in the beginning, you know, we're all given gifts, and I feel like God gave me the gift of, you know, like a dreamer mentality, you know, a mindset that was just different. It was innate. It's not something that was taught to me. Like, I was literally born with a relentless, you know, I was asking questions, and I was asking why, and, you know... I think I was different, and, and unfortunately, when you're younger and you're different, different scares people, and I talk about that a lot. I was getting thrown out of Sunday school. I was getting in trouble in school because it's not that I was defiant towards authority. I just always ask questions like why. You know, a lot of times there's two different types of people. There's how and why people, right? Show me how to do it. I didn't want to know how to do it because I always like to figure the things out on my own, but why do I need to do this? But the thing is, when you're young and you ask why, immediately they're going to think you're defiant towards the authority, and I was asking, really, I was breaking things down. I was asking questions that maybe I already knew the answer to, <laughs> but I was just analyzing the, the answers that these adults were giving me, and I was always told to sit down, be quiet, shut up, not, not be seen, and you know, there's a certain point where you know a kid will do that, and unfortunately you know, there was a lot of violence. My father was, was pretty tough on us. And you know, there was a time, you know, I think kind of in my early elementary, I just stopped asking questions. But then when you were the rambunctious kid, and now you stop and you start asking questions and you go quiet. Now they think you're, there's something wrong with you. So they thought I was ADHD, right? Then I stopped talking. Now they're saying, well, there's, you know, there's something wrong. He's depressed. So I couldn't win, (laughs) but I always had this dreamer mindset. I always knew there was something bigger for me, but what was the vehicle that I needed to get on? And, and, and if you look at my, my report cards when I was, like, in kindergarten, first and second grade, they were read all over it. You know, socializes too much, does, you know, defy it towards authority, does not follow directions. I mean, literally, that was a 100%, you know, recipe for entrepreneur. <laughs> I'm not a good employee, right? I got to do my own thing. So that's really where it came about. And, you know, like I said, growing up in the trailer park, I didn't know, like, rich, poor. I really didn't know that. So I just always knew there was something more I needed to go after it. And I remember there's one thing you were talking about the cars. I'm a big Lamborghini guy. And, you know, to think that one day, I mean, I've I've now owned three and we had a picture of the 1989. We we had the 1989 Lamborghini Countach picture on the wall. And if some of you people in this room, if you don't know what car that is, I'm going to tell you exactly which one it is. It's the one that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio crashed in the Wolf of Wall Street when he ate all those quaaludes. So... Um, but anyway, that was the car that, that was the car that we had on the wall. And I remember I was seven years old and my brother, he was, you know, a few years ahead of me. And I said, one day we're going to have that. We're going to drive those. And we made a pact. And I think my brother was 12 and I said, one day we're going to have those. And we like, I think we like spit and shook on it, you know, like how brothers would do. And, um, unfortunately in, in 1994, my brother was, was, was dealing cocaine And, um, someone shot him, you know, and they, they shot him and he was killed. So when I got into my, you know, my mid twenties, um, I started, you know, becoming, you know, getting, getting a little bit of success. I went and finally, you know, bought my first one was a Lamborghini Gallardo. And, um, again, another thing that people would, you know, pass judgment on, be like, oh, this guy, you know, he's, he thinks he's cool and he's trying to be flashy and this and that. No, man, I just kept my promise with my brother. And when I saw the opportunity, I fulfilled that promise that we made all those years ago. So, you know, again, my whole life is, there, nothing has come easy. It, there's always been adversity, and not that my life is any different than others, but I'll tell you this story real quick. Am I doing okay on time?
1: You're d- buddy, we've got all the way till okay. noon, and I'd like to leave some time for, we typically leave about 10 or 15 minutes for Question questions answers. and answers. So, people that are up on stage with us, so, we're we're at the top right now and and then there's moderators and we'll go and allow you know okay. it's just whoever wants to ask questions i know in the back channel they the 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 moderators have found a few pictures of you so they're sharing on the back channel so i think laura Wild <laughs> and a few and a few people want to ask you some questions i'm sure about how do you yes, get sir. those abs and stuff like that light, you know, laura
2: well let me let me speak let me, i just want to tell just a quick story because here's the deal not my story's any different than others but i just I think I need to tell this just to give some of the you know the listeners just a kind of frame of reference. So here's a perfect example of you know trials and tribulations when I was young. So with with my mom being married these different times, my mom I got my work ethic from my mom. My mom had three jobs and not all three jobs the same day, but like this would be a typical day for my mom. She would wake up, she'd have to be at work, you know, she worked at an electric company, you know, taking calls, so she worked there from like I don't know 7 a.m to 5 p.m., and then she would come home, you know, a little bit in the afternoon, and then she would go bartend um, from 8.39 o'clock to 2.33 o'clock in the morning, which left my older brother, the one that I was talking about, you know, with the drug dealing, to really raise my sister and I, and um, there was a lot of violence. I mean, there was, I mean, there were a lot of people coming to the house. My mom, I don't think she was completely aware, but I think a lot of times she was just so busy that she really wasn't thinking about what was going on when you got all these youngsters in a house, you know, really with no adult supervision. So there's a lot of people coming in and coming and going from the house. And again, I was 10 or 11. So I had an idea, but I didn't want to really believe what, you know, but then I found out, yeah, he's selling cocaine out of our house. And there was a, I was really stressed out. I literally had to take ass effects. I was, I had chronic ulcers in my intestines from worry and stress. Um, So I I was literally, I had ulcers, so my stomach would have hurt, and I remember being like, my stomach hurts, and my dad being like, there's nothing wrong with you, like you're a hypochondriac, and I'm like, something's really wrong, and I got a really high pain tolerance to this day because, you know, there'd be things like really wrong with me, but no one would, you know, would take me to the doctor and things like that, that's another story, but anyway, I remember one evening, we were sitting in the front room of the house, my mom was laying on the couch, you know, just getting a little bit of rest in before, um, she was going to go to her work. And, uh, I remember there was a drive-by shooting. There was, uh, <laughs> unbelievable six bullets ripped through the front door. One, you know, few through the front door, two kicked off the kick plate of the door. And it was just, it would happen so fast. And I was, I was really scared. And my mom popped up and we popped up and one of the bullets went through the couch So my mom was laying on the couch in front of the door and one of the bullets entered the couch about eight inches below where she was laying. So if it would have been eight inches higher, it would have gone through the top of her head and she would have been killed. You know, and the funny thing about it is, is as awful as that was, we never talked about it. I just remember a couple days later, we got a new front door. No one ever talked about it like it happened, but nothing was ever really discussed. And again, like I told you, I had a lot of stress and, and I was I was in school, and this was fifth grade for me, just to give you an idea. You know, a fifth grader shouldn't have ulcers. A fifth grader shouldn't have really those type of worries on his heart and on his mind when I should be focusing on playing football and just being a kid. But I didn't have that, unfortunately. So, month you know, Friday rolls around, and we had this long division test. I'll never forget it, Miss Daniels. And I was struggling in school, but I didn't have tutor. I didn't have people help me with my homework. Again, I'm not complaining. That's just what it was. And I remember Friday rolled around and I cut school. I legitimately didn't go to school. And like when you're in fifth grade, you don't cut school. Like you don't think like that. I just didn't want to be embarrassed. I didn't want to embarrass me. And I didn't want to be embarrassed in front of my parents or get in trouble because I got a bad grade. So I thought, well, if I cut school, then I can avoid the the humility. Well, What happened was a school called my mom. And that unfortunately that weekend was the weekend that I was, you know, going to see my father, he, you know, come pick me up on Fridays and, So anyway, I cut school. My mom shows up. I'm I'm in the kitchen. I'm caught. She's like, why'd you cut school? And I didn't have the heart to tell her. You know, I I didn't. I just just yelling at me and I just ate it. I just chewed it up and ate it. And then when my father came to pick me up around five thirty. Obviously, he knew I knew I was in trouble. And I remember as we pulled out of the uh, out of the driveway, he looked at me and said, why the F did you cut school? And he punched me in my face twice. And I was humiliated. I was, he destroyed me because I couldn't tell him that we had a drive-by shooting earlier that week because then they would take me from my mom and I didn't want anyone to get in trouble, you know? So I ate those fists and I, I it destroyed me because I had to, I literally had to eat those fists, but I had to eat them physically and mentally because I didn't, I had to keep it a secret. I couldn't tell him why. I just said, yes, sir, it won't happen again. So when I was choking on that blood in my mouth, And those tears that were running down my face, I kept it a secret and I kept it a secret for 25 years. And it wasn't until I started writing my book, Align Your Empire this past year, that I finally told him and I showed him the pictures of the couch with the bullet holes in it. And he said, oh my God. And I finally told him like, hey, this happened. You know what the crazy part about it is, is he got in my face again just this past year and said, it was your fault. It was your fault, I didn't know. So the thing is, is along this way of growing up, I'm a father today, I've got three daughters, five, two, and one, and I'm an amazing father. And I'm an amazing father because I know how to be a father because I learned how to not be a father. So I show up, I pour over them, I love them. If they need help, I'm involved. I don't miss anything. So, you say I've had successful, I've got all these companies and I'm doing all these great things, but I never miss a gymnastics event. I never miss a dance recital. I'm very present and all in. And all of these things that happen to me, I'm not using them as a victim mentality. I use them as tools to make me better. So, I'm able now to see if someone's hurting or someone's hurting like in their business or their life, I can see it on people because I'm able to, ha- I have empathy because I've gone through these things and not that my story is any better than others. These are just things that I've lived and I've chose to use them to where half of my life I was embarrassed and I wanted to hide from it. But now I think my calling was, as I went through these things so I can help others. So when I wrote this book this year, I speak about being you know, present in your family and, and how you should show up in life. And like you said, if everyone speaks highly of me, it's because I live with integrity because everything that I say and and the actions that we do, they matter. So that's just a a really good story of something that happened to me. And then I've been able to use and leverage that and speak over, you know, you know, divorce or or violence or domestic violence or whatever it may be, because I've lived it.
1: Wow. 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 Uh, My dear friend, Alexander, has a question for you, and and uh, and I, I I admire and respect Alexander so much, and you want to talk about a bottle of energy, but we're here in the Breakfast of Champions room. This is Scott Simons, and I'm having the honor of introducing everyone to my friend Burton Burton Hughes. He's an amazing guy. He's my Apex brother, but and man, let me tell you something. You choked me up telling that story. I didn't know that story, and uh, damn man, I, after I talked to you, the the, the awesome thing about getting the interview superhumans is you learn so much about them. Uh, but Alexander, did you have a question for Burton? And welcome, my, my dear friend.
3: Hey, thank you. And thank you for this incredible interview. And Burton, thank you for um, you know, for that display of emotion and for that rawness in that story. Uh, we all have different come up stories, but yours is powerful, dude. And I, I really appreciate that you are <clears throat> willing to talk so openly. So not enough people do that. It sucks what you went through, uh, but I hope that your message touched someone. It definitely touched me and maybe someone today needed to hear that. Um, And so much love. So we have a mutual friend. She's actually on stage, but she can't unmute, um, Jessie Lee. And so I know, like I learned a little bit about you because of, you know, I was literally texting her. I'm very honest. I know that you started out uh, as a door knocker. And that you are a knock star, my question is this: how do you continue going for no, even when faced with uh, prejudgments based on you know, as you stated, good genetics, um prejudgments based on socioeconomic status coming up from nothing, prejudgments on living in a trailer. How did you continue going for no to ultimately reach the success that you have reached now?
2: That's a really good question, so I'll take a crack at it so. I think the way that I've been raised is I'm a little bit street smart, a little bit of come, you know, combined with book smart, um, common sense. But I think the biggest thing that has helped galvanize me with sales and, and being able to consult and train people is I have uncommon sense. Maybe it's that I'm blissfully unaware. (laughs) So when we're out and we're training and we're knocking doors and we have a roofing and contracting solar company here in Dallas, Texas. And, um, I think the biggest thing is, is we bring a white collar approach to a blue collar industry. You know, unfortunately, in my business, you got a lot of my competition. I'm, I'm not, I'm not talking down on them, but construction guys aren't typically really too, con- you know, too concerned with you know their presence. So if we're out knocking doors in the suburbs, you got to remember half the people aren't going to answer the door. They're going to be, you know, looking at you through the ring. So we literally, and myself included, we literally look like we just walked off the PGA tour. Hair done nice, groomed very well, shirts with our logos pants belt i mean we literally look like we just walk off the pga tour so part of it is people don't obviously we talked about judging a book by its cover if they're looking at you through the ring and you don't look like a suspect you know suspicious character we we try to consider it as like an attractable character um it's what we call it that's the first level of bringing down you know the the you know the first thing is go away well people are like well what's this guy about so when they they answer the door or whatever it may be We basically just say, hey, we're working with your neighbors or whatever it may be. And I did it in real estate, you know, just knocking doors. And the way I look at it is I don't look at it as if I'm selling. I'm just out here just spreading awareness that, hey, we're in the community. This is what we're doing. And then we're not even really hard selling. We're just saying, hey, this is what we're doing, working with your neighbors. And just through conversation, next thing you know, we're getting those roof inspections or what I like to do is I just call it like the concerned citizen as I say, hey, we're working on, you know, Matt Smith's house next door. And I just wanted to come over and introduce myself and one of the owners of New View Roofing. I, you know, I hand them, you know, one of our cards. And I say if any trash blows in your yard, I just want to let you know before you get upset, this is my direct, com- you know, this is my direct, you know, information. And we'll come over and make sure everything's cleaned up and tidy. We don't want to, you know, leave something messy. So we're doing that. But what it's doing is it's planting excellence in them. Like, wow, this guy really does care. So when it comes up, like, well, you know, if you're working on his house, why don't you take a look at ours? So just through natural conversation, that's what we're doing. We're not out, you know, working on scripts. Yeah, we have those, but it's just natural conversation. And to be honest with you, the uncommon sense is when you get 45 doors slammed in your face, it's on them. It's not really you. Because if they would have talked to you, they would have probably been able to benefit from your services. And we help streamline, you know, the... The process, so we're just bringing a lot of value, but the nice thing is, is the whole thing is geared around being the attractable character, showing up, and just being relentless. Because again, if you're getting the door slammed in your face, it's on them. So what? Who cares? Who's next? That's that's our promise.
3: I love that, and it's you know, it's regardless if you're actually doing door to door sales or it's the proverbial door being slammed on your face we can all kind of use that in what we do and and you know i'd like to ask one last question i know that your book has been released congratulations on that how what a dope thing how can we find it is it on audible like tell me all the things about your book because you've impressed me i gotta read
2: yeah so align your empire dropped on monday um we We're kind of doing in stages. So the book is released. Uh, Paperbacks and hardcover books uh, start dropping uh, next week on the 21st. The ebook dropped this week. And then the Audible, I think, is coming up in 10 days. So we kind of staggered them on purpose. Um, (laughs) In life, there's challenges. I want to speak to some of the people on this call. Things happen to you or things happen because of you. And I think when you start stepping out and becoming your true self, the forces of average – are gonna come after you and what I mean by that is we uploaded the audio audio or the um the ebook this week and for some unknown reason there was a glitch in the formatting and the book literally uploaded incorrectly. I'm talking missed chapters and all this stuff and it's not our fault. And I could have chosen to be super upset and, and scream and blow up but I had already planned for like things are gonna happen and the laws of average is what we call it when things trying to pull you down but it's about your mindset. So even with the glitches Amazon's getting it worked out right now but I'm 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 humbled to say the book went number 1 in 5 different categories. Um the amount of feedback that I've received from this book has been truly incredible and the book was it's called Align Your Empire and what that is is I went right after people you know, like I the, the most common question I always get is how do you do all of these things like How do you choose? Like, what's your work-life balance look like? And I said, look, work-life balance is a myth, guys. It's setting yourself up for failure. Because if you're trying to grow your business, how are you going to grow your social network? Or or if you're trying to, you know, start a family, but then you're just going to be pulled in all these directions. So I identified six key areas in life. Your mindset, faith, family, your fitness, your finances, your network, and how we can get all those pointed in the right direction so that synergistically everything's working together and you can move freer because you're not going to be pulled in all these different directions. You get everything pointed in the right direction and there's a freeing concept. So as I'm building my business, I'm raising my daughters and I'm present. And the relationships that I get from the network and from the car groups and, and like we were talking about with Apex, then I'm now I'm on this call, you know, speaking to people that I would have never met so it's all of these things all work congruently i think where most people are having to choose you know it's or you know this or that no me i'm like and what can we do not spreading yourself thin but it's how can we do more by basically stacking and putting everything together and getting it pointing in the right direction align your empire is what i call it it's using the six key assets you know to ignite your life and Last year during COVID, when all these businesses were you know, closing down and people were freaking out, I was literally doing cardio in the morning. I got hit with a proverbial <laughs> lightning bolt, and it, there was this amount of clarity. So I went home. I wrote an outline, sent it to my publicist, and next thing you know, um, I got a book deal from it because what I'm speaking on, it's not necessarily revolutionary. But what I think it is is the way that I packaged it together. It's an easy read, but it's hard to accept. But I think that I was able to, you know, bring this in a really nice cohesive package to where if you're struggling in those different areas, you're able to come back in the book and touch up because I don't think this is going to be a one and done book. And that's also why we created an app. So, again, Align Your Empire. You can find it on um, on Amazon. You can also go to my website, which is www.burtonhughesofficial.com. And, again, you can download it. We've got hard copies, paperback, audibles coming soon. So I that answered all your
3: questions. <laughs> Yes, brother, you rock! Thank you so much for everything. Appreciate you. Great interview, Scott. Much love.
1: Hey, Alexander! Thank you so much, man. I love your energy. As soon as I hear your voice, it just makes me take it up a notch or two. So, we're here talking to my dear friend, my Apex brother. He's one of our he's one of our coaches. He's one of our one of our leaders, and he's became a good friend. And uh, you know, we have a bunch of entrepreneurs in this group called Apex, and it's Ryan Stuman is the founder. And I had Stuman on. Week and I just put a little survey out there in our group and said, "Who do I need to get on?" They're like, "Oh, it's easy. You need to get Burton on. You get Burton Hughes on." I was like, "Okay, cool." So I reached out. And Burton's like, "Hey, man, I'm not on it, but you know, I've heard great things about you too, brother. And you know, we both had positive energy. and Let's roll." So he agreed to come on. And then, um you know, Breakfast of Champions was was night. You know, gave me a segment at eleven o'clock on Friday, so I can introduce. These superhumans that I meet that have enriched my life that can share a story and can enrich your life. So we're here talking to Burton, and his book just came out, which we just got through talking about. And Burton, for the people, there's a lot of people that would like to write a book. I mean, I've I've talked about it, and I know my Apex family is going to put a, you know a bunch of pressure on me to where I'm going to do it. I'm committing to doing it. I'm going to do it. Take us through just briefly what the process was like to write the book. How much of a pain in the butt was it? Was it fairly easy? What what process did you use to write this book? And you can, you know, be fairly brief in it because your story is is why we're all here and, and how you can help serve this community. But what was that process like?
2: First and foremost, you need to get over the imposter syndrome. And if people in here aren't familiar with that is it's the doubt and it's the no one would want to read a book about me or why would anyone be interested? I don't have a story or whatever it may be. I only have 150 followers or I only have 250,000 followers. Whatever it may be, you have a story. And whether you have 150 followers or 250,000 followers, those people are invested in you and they're following you for a reason. So it's an our duty, like the social dilemma. It's our duty to speak our mind. And, and so the thing is, but that was the first thing that I had to get over. And I honestly delayed it a few months because of that. And uh, once I got over that and I just step into who I was supposed to be and the calling that I do believe it was I do believe it was from a higher being, I do believe it was divinity that was guiding me. I wrote an outline, I sent it to my publicist Hillary, and she said, Oh my gosh, I think we're really on to something. So basically you have to create an outline first. I don't suggest you just like sit down and just blah start writing a book. You need to write an outline because that's gonna give you the parameters for how the book is gonna flow and, and, and ultimately what's your, you know, what are you trying to say? And it's gonna help keep everything nice and cohesive. So I would really highly, you know, suggest really getting that outline tied up and then fill it in. I'm not one that really loves to type, so I use what it's called as Rev. And then I would literally just speak into my phone or into my computer and it would transcribe anything. We also took a, fun, a few of my favorite speeches that I had made over the last couple years and I had those transcribed. And then we also kind of packaged all that up. And then once we had a, a working book, then I went back in with my fingers and, and physically typed to kind of pull everything together to make it nice and cohesive. So all in all, I really could have written the book in 90 days, but imposter syndrome and COVID and some delays that came up the delays were wonderful because the delays actually made it to where a publisher got their eyes on my book and I ended up getting a book deal. So again, in life, you can get frustrated for delays or you can look at it like maybe this is a sign, maybe this is a reason. So ultimately create your outline, you know, work with someone that's written books and then they'll help guide you from there. So it's simple, not easy, but you're going to have to get over yourself first.
1: That's that's a great share. And that is rev.com is what he referenced. And also... If you've been on a podcast, like today, you can go to Breakfast with Champions. Um, it's not live, if I'm not mistaken. I'll, I'll look it up right now as I'm on here on my iPad. But all of these segments are being recorded and they're being put on a podcast. And then you can go back, get a copy of your podcast and then have it transcribed. So that way you can turn that information into Content you can turn that information into a book and that's something I didn't know um, Before and I think even uh, YouTube will transcribe uh, For free your podcast. So it's not like you have to go and spend a bunch of money um, In order to get this done um, And I'm looking that up right now. Is that true? Is that breakfast of champions dot live? Is yep. That's, that's that right, is, Scott, That's correct Okay, so that's where you could go back and listen. So even today if someone if you've missed this and you would like to share with somebody, Burton, somebody can go back and listen to this, which is the beauty of this Breakfast of Champions vision. I mean, the vision of this room is, is people get a seat at the table and they can actually hear in about 10 more minutes, I'm gonna open it up where we're gonna take questions and they can learn from people. You know, that has started off as a, you know, from being in a trailer park, that doesn't define who you are. I'm, you know, I'm from the poorest county United States of America. I use that as a chip. I use that to, to go to the dark side whenever I don't want to go and do something. Like I said, think, wait a minute. I got these, you know, my team members dependent on me, my wife dependent on me, my, you know, my, the community depending on me. And just because you went through adversity, I mean, the, the adversity makes you stronger. I mean, to this day, Burton, correct me if I'm wrong, because you saw how drugs ravaged your family, because you saw alcohol. You don't do drugs. You don't, you don't drink alcohol. You don't do any of those things because you saw that that bullet hole that came through that house about killed your mother and going through that. And that's greatly impacted your life to to, all the adversity you dealt with has made Burton Hughes today. Is that correct?
2: Yeah, I, I choose not to drink alcohol and use drugs. Um, I don't pass judgment on people who do because I'm, I, we're, you know, we are beings of free choice. But I never want to be—I never want to be not in absolute clarity of mind because I don't want to make a decision or put other people's lives in jeopardy because I was drunk driving my car or I use drugs. Heaven forbid I'd kill somebody or do something in an accident. So what I simply do is just remove it from the equation. And I'd lean that, I'd take that back to, yes, growing up, I saw the drugs and the alcohol. A lot of people, you know, die in my family from cirrhosis of the liver because of the bottle. So for me, I have an addictive personality. I just channel it because people like entrepreneurs and, and, and people with our mindset type A, we're at the highest risk of drugs, alcohol, you know, depression, suicide. I mean, all of the things, like we have the markers that make us susceptible to it. So it's whether you use that for the good or like, you said the dark side to me i tap into my dark side because that's my that's my edge because the double edged sword is is what makes you great can tear you down and you're talking about the dark side which you're referring to tim grover's book i believe and that's that's your that's your secret you know, that's like your seat you can harness that secret power so for me i never want to be not in absolute clarity of mind and also one alcoholic drink slows your metabolism down for 72 hours so if I'm trying to be you know, healthy both mind, body, and spirit, alcohol is literally poison that you're putting into your body. And if you think that having two drinks is going to help you unwind maybe, I'm not here to speak on that, but you're literally poisoning your body. And I'm not talking down. I'm just saying literally that's what you're doing. So for me, I just simply remove it from the equation. And then when my trainer was like, hey, you know, 72 hours, I'm like, well, I can't. It's like driving with one foot on the gas and one on the brake. I'm not going to be able to become the best version of me doing that. And then now I'm never out of, like with my mindset, my mindset's never swayed. I'm in absolute clarity. So that's really it is I'm just trying to bring excellence. And with my kids, like I just, I pour over my kids. So if I'm drinking in the evening, then that means, and I'm not able to read to my kids. I'm not able to color. We got this dry erase board in at night and you know, we eat breakfast and dinner together every day. And we got a dry erase board and we write little messages and we color and we do all these things. So if I was drinking or if I was in a bar somewhere, I wouldn't be home. I wouldn't be present. So there's a lot of collateral things that come along with these choices that kind of transcends me just saying, I don't want to do these things. I'm improving and it's allowing me to free up time to invest it in relationships and areas that make that just mean so much more to me.
1: Burton, what's it mean to be a dad of three young Girls, what's it mean to you?
2: I think um, they're my they're my get choked up again. I don't know what's into me today. My daughters mean everything, and the crazy thing is, I never thought I wanted to be a dad because the way I grew up, I didn't want to turn into that, and I didn't want to be mean to my kids, and I didn't want to. I didn't know if it was just something that would happen or if I was predisposed to. I didn't know. So I always ran from the relationships. I didn't want to have kids. And when my brother Danny's the good son, he had three daughters. And I watched how they interacted with him. And that's when, you know, like that that switch kind of flipped in my head. So with my daughters, I literally pour over them. I'm not like a helicopter dad. You know, I'm not like right. too – I'm not like, you know, overbearing. But with my kids, it's like I read to them and I love on them. And I tell them I love them. And I tell how much I'm proud of them and I'm involved. And if they're hurting, I hold them. I mean I just – to be a dad for me is a blessing, and I never thought I, w- I wanted that. So with me, like I'm just super present. I never wanted to be like the super successful guy that doesn't see his kids because you hear that, and I speak on that quite a bit. At what cost? For me, I don't make the decision to, to work more and then not, not see my kids. To me, I got them invested. And I make since I am self-employed. I make my schedule. I dictate. I'm on offense with my schedule, so I can invest the time, so I can go to the gymnastic events, so that I can go to the dance recitals. Even though there might be a big deal that I need to close, I will schedule it around my kids because I'm not going to miss. I'm not going to be on my deathbed down the road and be like, man, I wish I would have had more time because I'm doing it all now. I'm not. Del- I'm not doing the delayed gratification. I'm not blowing my family off. So that when they're 15, I can be like, hey, daddy's home. I think we can have it now. It's not either or, it's and. I wanna make a ton of money. I wanna be able to grow these companies. I wanna be able to tie the church. I wanna be able to spend time with my kids. And it all ties back to success. Because if you're, you're like I said, with me raising my kids, I'm happier. I'm able to see the fruits of my labor. My kids are in private school I'm putting them in in scenarios that I didn't have growing up So i'm showing up in their lives and the relationship between the father and the daughters is critical I wrote a bu- I read a book last year called strong father strong daughters and man You know as men we need to really step up because unfortunately guys We're not showing up at the house and we're not raising our kids and we're not staying involved And with that, the girls are like in the book, it talks about eating disorders and bad relationships and the things, because, you know, like dad issues, those are certain things that moms can't do. So as a man, that role that we play, it's huge. So I never take that for granted. And I'm very present. I'm very aware. I just pour over my babies because I know I knew how I grew up. That's not the type of father I was going to be,
1: man. I tell you what, I I love, I love your passion, brother. I love your passion. And, uh, you know, I'm just so thankful that you agreed to do this interview, so I can introduce you to my, for my family and my friends here in this room. And talking about family and friends, we got some powerhouses up here, and we got Bossley, we got Jessie Lee Ward. I know who, you know who Jessie Lee is, but she is on here, and
2: Jessie would like it. To- I, I saw her on, yeah. Jessie's my girl. I love her. We we were together on Monday night at the baseball game, and I just think the world of her.
4: Well, I think the world of you, Burton Hughes, I loved hearing more about you. Obviously, I knew most of your story, but you're so awesome. I love how much you love your babies. I can vouch for him, by the way. So if anyone's like, oh, this man sounds too good to be true. Like, it's all real. It's all true. What's going on, guys? I'm excited to be here. I know I'm like never on Clubhouse anymore, but Alexander is my dude. He texted me. I said, all right, I'll see if I can get some value this morning. So I'm excited to be here.
1: Yeah. Thank you so much for coming. And uh, if you would like to ask anybody up here a question, you know, we've got just, you know, at this breakfast table, we've got a bunch of superhumans that I admire and respect to send me a message in the back channel. Um, we're going to take the next, you know, a few minutes or so. And we, Burton, we so appreciate your time and everybody else that showed up here. Uh, but if you'd like to ask a question to send me a message, a direct message, and we'll, uh, we will ask that question. Um, until then, up top, you can uh, just flash your mics if you've got a specific question for Burton, and I'll I'll work my way down. Uh, let's see here. Do I see a mic flash? Uh, go ahead, uh, Dr. Janie. Go right ahead.
4: Hi, Scott, and thanks, Bert. This is just an amazing interview. And first, I just want to say I appreciate you sharing your story with us. To me, you embody what healing looks like and acknowledging that little boy that was inside of you and all the different things that you experienced and becoming the man that that little boy needed and changing your family legacy by being a different parent. So my question to you is for those men or women that are listening and they're struggling with their childhood or their wounds and they're that adult that's still holding that anger and they haven't learned how to channel it to make it selves and their family. I mean, what would be your advice to someone who's listening that resonates to parts of your story and they want to change their life? They want to be that legacy builder and change their pattern. This is Dr. Janie.
2: That's a great question. Um, So for me, I ran from it. I was embarrassed. So for most of my 20s, I started getting the success, but it was a, it was more of a negative. In my mind, I had to step on you to get mine. So when I was in the real estate office, I would literally close my door because I didn't want in my life. I built walls around my life to protect myself, you know, but the walls you build around your life also keep the blessings from coming to you as well. You know, so really, to be honest with you, my 20s were I was kind of like a junkyard dog. And to be honest with you, when I in my late 20s. everyone was telling me I was pushing too hard and I was selfish. And like I said, some of the fitness modeling stuff, I was casting on reality TV shows or again, it's what I did. It's not who I was, but from the outside church was telling me that I was going against God and I was listening to people tell me like, you know, like you had a marriage that was failing because you chose, you know, I was doing well, but I let the crabs in the bucket pull me down and I got super depressed, got anxiety. And unfortunately in 2012, I overdosed. I I, I wasn't even having a bad day. I was was kind of indifferent and I ate 29 Ativan because the doctors told me I had anxiety. So I took these pills. So anyway, one day I wasn't even having a bad day. I overdosed on 29 Ativan. Eight's supposed to kill you. If eight doesn't kill you, you're basically a mental vegetable. I don't know the PC way of saying that, but you're basically rendered incapacitated really the rest of your life. But Again, I think this is one of those things. I woke up from a coma from five days later and I lived and I didn't have any permanent, you know, damage or anything like that by the grace of God. So once I had that, I knew I lived for a reason and I had a message and I declared what I want. I wasn't going to let the outside world dictate who I was. I had to get real with myself. I had to look at myself in the mirror and say, I'm proud of you. You are different. Different scares people. but Just because you're different and you're pushing in these areas and it's going against what everyone else has done, that's a gift. And once you, basically, once you acknowledge your gifts and you pour into yourself, because you can't pour from an empty cup, you have to make sure that you or yourself are fulfilled all the other distractions and people tell me that I was doing these things wrong or whatever. Once I declared what I want and I stepped into who I was supposed to be, everyone said I changed, but I didn't change. I just became the person I was supposed to be. And I want people to hear that because if you're struggling right now, are you struggling because you're not living up to the person you're supposed to be? Are you, are you painting yourself into a box that others think you should be? Because I think a lot of us get caught in that. Once you become who you're, your authentic self and you step into your highest, best use, that's when you're going to be free and unencumbered of the stress and the anxiety and the depression because you're going to be you. Because and for me, I wasn't depressed. I didn't have what you call anxiety. It was situational. It wasn't something that I was battling from a chemical imbalance. I just wasn't living up to the person that I was supposed to be. So hopefully that answered your question, and I really appreciate it. That was a great question.
1: Yeah, Burton, thank you so much for sharing. Dr. Janie, fantastic question as always. I I just love your questions and always admire your input and how much value you always bring whenever I hear you speak. And thank you so very much, Burton. That was a fantastic answer. David Long had a question. David, welcome. What question do you have for Burton today,
5: Scott, Simon? Thank you so much. Uh, It's not as much of a question as it is just an outpouring of you just told my story. Um, I'm a little older than you and I'm a dad of two daughters. And I, too, took a handful of pills uh, 34 years ago this month. Actually, it happens to be Suicide Prevention Month, for those of you that don't know. Um, And being a dad daughter a daughter of or a dad of two daughters and hearing you affirm everything i know to be true here's the evidence to support my belief that this is everything my daughters picked really good guys like they picked they don't have a broken picker because they've been filled up from the inside from day one and they haven't seen their dad go through the things that you and i went through burton so i just want to say hearing your message <laughs> this morning took me back to so many things that I feel so grateful for my life today and I just wanted to say thank you for taking me down memory lane and filling me up with knowing that all the things and all the times that I said no to work and yes to ballet recitals no to opportunities and yes to things that were going to fill my daughters up and my life has turned out perfect because of it and they have turned out to be really great human beings I just wanted to say Thank you very much for sharing your story and being so vulnerable today. Scott, thanks for giving me a chance to just say thank you.
1: Hey, David, you're most definitely welcome. And, you know, the the, the parents play such a crucial role in our children's lives. And, um, you know, I've got a daughter that's a freshman at JMU. I've got a son that's a ninth grader. Of course, I had two wonderful parents that – poured into my brother and I. I would not be the man that I am today if it wasn't for my parents. And I was so very fortunate and, uh, to, to be blessed with two wonderful parents. Uh, who else, uh, if you'd like to mic flash, I'm going to start at the top and work my way down. Who else has a question or comment? Eric, go right ahead, my friend. And then Jackie, I also coming saw to Jack. you next. Yep. Eric, go, the, uh, Eric, go and then Jackie, I'm coming to you.
6: Great. Thanks. Uh, thanks Scott. And, uh, Burton really wonderful to meet you up here and wonderful to to hear you talking i I'll tell you I don't quite look like it but i've uh, I've spent a lot of uh turns around the sun on this earth and uh and to have talked a lot of uh, with a lot of people about about drinking and I, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing to do I choose also not to do it but I never have quite heard it explained the way you explained it the reasons why uh one some of the reasons why you don't in that sense of that it'll take away from those activities that you would be doing with your daughters. I absolutely love that. I really appreciate it. So thank you so much for sharing it uh, in, in that sense. I have three little children of my own, a boy and a couple of girls. And I just wanted to ask you about as a father and, and with your background and the difficulties that you've experienced with your background with your girls. I don't know how old they are, but with your girls, have you do you share some of the uh some of the raw details? of your of your past in in learning times or have you shared some of those things have you not are you are you planning on it because at some point they'll learn about some of those uh, obviously some of some of the things you've been through so i'd just love to hear your thoughts on that
2: that's a great question um my daughters are still pretty young five two and one um not that i think like morbid like morbid thoughts or anything like that but Part of this book, Aligning Your Empire, is that um, you know, if heaven forbid, you know, my ticket was called and I would, you know, pass away today. You know, my girls are five, two, and one. I think they know me, but y- y- you know what I mean? They're they're really still kind of young. So they I wanted them to have a book that, that they would know their father's heart and the philosophies and and why I do so the certain things that I do. So this book was twofold. Yes, you know, align your empires, the six areas that I've identified that you know, you can like a really just a way to a system to live by more or less not like a, you know, get rich scheme. It's more just a lifestyle. So I wrote it because there's a lot of semi-autobiography type elements to it. So it was two parts. My kids are too young at five, two, and one. Um, So if I were to pass away, they would know their father. So, yes, absolutely going to speak on these things. I don't want to speak on it to where they, you know, they dislike their grandparents because they are still living. But. I had to speak on these things because I needed to own it and 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 speak on that. But as they get older, yes, absolutely. They'll probably hear these books. They're gonna, you know, see me speaking on stages and 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 really talking about these areas. But they're going to know that the reason I did the certain things that I do, I don't hit my kids, I don't pat them, I don't have the heart to do it. And I don't stifle my kids. So when they're speaking out and they're yelling, So, so the thing is is like you know, babe, Hey babies, we we're getting ready to leave. And like, I don't want to put my seatbelt on. Well, it's like, well, you got to put your seatbelt on. You can fight your kid, but maybe they're just having a bad day. You know, we were quick to yell at our kids and yell at them, but like kids are people too. So, you know, sometimes you wake up and you have a bad day. Well, you forget that kids are kids and they're people too. So then maybe they're having a bad day. So why would you yell at your kid? And so I'm trying to work on like, don't hit your kid. Don't yell at them. Don't stifle them because at the end of the day, they might just be having a bad day. So really all across the board, I'm just trying to raise them the best that I can. And I've learned the ways to not be a father. So I'm basically doing everything opposite of what I've learned.
5: Love.
1: Hey, Eric, great question. Jackie, go right ahead.
4: Thank you so much. And Scott, thank you for having this. It's such a powerful segment. And Burton, thank you so much. And I love the title of your book, Align your empire. So I talk about manifestation a lot and I love what you said. You said you know Focus on the big picture overall not just one thing or the other and that comes down to limiting beliefs, right? So would you say because I know mindset is very big in manifestation, right? But would you say it's also energy and frequency that follow because when the contrast comes into our life if the belief and the energy is bigger than the contrast, that's what keeps us going and that's what brings everything the bigger picture. So would you say in the moments of um, maybe your struggles, your belief, not only in your mindset, but in your energy was just as powerful?
2: Me, I think it's more of a sense of duty. Um, I think the frequency and the vibration that you were calling it, I think that's what happens synergistically. All of these things firing at once. So for me, when you're talking about the manifestation, yes, the mindset, I wrote number one. I didn't create like a hierarchy like one, two, three, four, five, six. I just said these are the six. But mindset was huge because if your mindset is not geared, then you're not going to be able to, you know, you could be motivated, but motivation's temporary. So you need to have a core principles, core belief. Like you have to have an end zone. And what I say is you need to know exactly what you want. I think a lot of the frustrations that we get in life is because we don't clarify what we want. So the frustration and the disappointment that you're feeling is because you haven't clearly identified what you want, you know? So you're frustrated you're bound up. So like part of the manifestation is, is seeing exactly and knowing what you want. And then what I, like I said, with my six, uh, you know, assets of alignment, when everything is working together and it's congruent, that's the vibration. And if, like I said, if certain things like maybe you're, Maybe your family, maybe you're struggling with your spouse. Don't let that take out all the other five things that are going well in your life. Maybe you're going to have to pour a little bit more into that. You know, there's going to be a lot of push and pull, but it's not going to be I'm going to ignore this and I'm going to focus on my business and then your family crashes. Because I'm telling you what, if your home life isn't solid, then everything is going to suffer. So hopefully, I'm answering your question, but mindset is absolutely crucial because that's going to allow you to have the good and the bad days. And I call it metaphorically like putting out fires, because in anything, the forces of average are going to come after you. And that's one thing that I really learned learning about in apex is bad things are going to happen. It's it's life's going to happen, right? Things happen to you or things don't happen to you. They happen because of you. So it's our duty to make sure that you're quarterbacking and you're on offense with your life and you're not just in reaction mode at all times.
3: I love that. Thank you so much.
1: Yes, and we have Christina. You have a question for Burton? Go right ahead.
4: Hi. Yes. Thank you, Scott, and thank you, Burton, for opening up to us this morning. Um, I I have a nonprofit that um, provides assistance uh, mentoring to the youth, and I have a male that's in the nonprofit that um, basically opened up to me, and uh, told me told me a lot of, a lot of stuff that happened to him as he was growing up, um, and a lot of it a lot of it. Were verbal abuse and physical abuse, and um, kind of what you went through with your dad. But it happened not only with his dad, but with his mom as well. And so, um, I've offered to get him help. As a matter of fact, I have a psychologist as a mentor within the nonprofit, but he doesn't want to talk to anyone. So, what advice would you give to me to to um to let to tell him?
2: been through all those channels um, and I myself i don't i don't i basically i'm I, I mentor young um, inner city youth um, I use fitness as the vehicle to kind of put my foot in the door with them because a lot of these kids are juvenile delinquents, maybe they're one step from you know really going you know going to jail, so I'm meeting with their principals I'm meeting with their teachers before they call. And they actually get in trouble, trouble. They call me in and I help mediate it. So I'm using fitness as a way to get in there and foster those relationships. So I love what you're doing. Now, I'll speak on my own. For him, he's not going to want to speak to a psychologist or a psychiatrist. That's just not going to be it. Someone like him needs to be around someone that I would love to help if there's any way. Someone like him needs to be around someone who's successful, that has lived it, that's not going to be – like. Talked from a doctor standpoint. He needs to be around like an entrepreneur, someone that has experienced the life that he has because he's not going to resonate because I never I tried to go to a psychologist. And honestly, I just I did lip service and I got through it and it never really worked. So he needs to be around people that he wants to be like or or wants to emulate. He needs to be around like self-made people that went through those life experiences. He's going to resonate that with that a 100 percent better than you trying to put him with a psychiatrist. I just know because I've, I'm from the inner city and I know what it's like. And, and that's the best advice I could give you is you need to get him around someone that's successful, that's lived the life and has made something of himself so it can give him an idea of what he can be and and really probably who he can grow in be.
4: Thank you so much. Can I reach out to you um, in the back channels?
2: Um, reach out to me via Instagram, please. Thank you so much, I so, appreciate it. Can Scott, can you type that in brother?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it should be linked to your. uh, Yeah, yeah, I sure will. I sure will. It's
2: linked on my profile. Just reach out to me to Instagram, and I'll definitely, I'll definitely help. I would love
1: that. Thank you. Well, Bert, well, Burton, on behalf of you know the Breakfast of Champions room and uh, for this segment and this show, man, I asked you to come on here short notice. I knew you would bring tremendous value. I knew you would make an impact. I knew that you would serve. I learned a lot about you today. That just makes me admire and respect you even more. And I look forward to our friendship growing, but can you tell people here how they could connect with you? First of all, if everybody would go up and just touch his face and go and follow Burton and then turn on the bell notification that way, when he does come back on, which I'm going to, I'm going to convince him to come back on at some point um, and join us here. But anyway, um, if you would go up and follow Burton and also if you would connect with him across the platforms. But, Burton, uh, what is your website and how can these people connect with you, my friend? Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to connect with you. And, uh, and man, thank you so much, brother. I, pr- I appreciate you.
2: I really appreciate you having me on. Um, so we have our website. It's www.burtonhughesofficial.com. It's also linked to my, my you know, my, my page here. Instagram I'm very active on. And really the biggest thing, guys, is I just really appreciate the opportunity to speak. Um, I know there's a lot of people that have gone through you know, a lot of the things that I have, and I think I've been given a gift to speak on that, and I've had some pretty cool experiences. But the book, Align Your Empire, I'm just going to plug it one more time. It's a combination of how I approach my life, and if maybe one person will read the book and it helps them, I don't care how much money I make from it. It was literally like it was bigger than me. And you got to remember that the wake is always bigger than the boat so for me this was more of how can i help how can i serve because i have been blessed in life so again align your empire it's on amazon you can order the ebook there's a formatting weird thing going on right now but amazon promised that they would get that you know fix if you download it there'll be a like a follow-up to it but the paperback and the hardcover books will be available next week and then the audible trickles out the week following so i really appreciate you know you know, just really the follow if you buy a book, great. If not, I w- I'm just looking forward to connecting with everybody that you was know, on the call today. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, if everybody would just unmute and give uh, Burton a big round of applause and thanks and thank him for coming on in such thank short you. notice and know that.
2: <laughs>
3: thank, you. thank you, thank you, thank you. You're amazing. We appreciate you, brother. Appreciate
2: you.